If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is presented by Mountain Tough and Yeti. I partnered with Mountain Tough because a lot of the tactics and hunt styles I talk about in this podcast require you to be in the best physical shape you can. Their app is designed for hunters to get you ready for the backcountry or any hunt you have planned this fall. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine, and they make some of the toughest products out there that are built to last and they're built for the wild. Welcome back to the Live Wild podcast, everyone. Last week, we really dove into spring scouting techniques for that fall success. I think that's probably a fairly high-level tactic, but it can be super beneficial to understanding how deer are moving in your area and how to find them other times of year. Now, this time of year for me is really balancing getting out, hunting some of those spring seasons, doing scouting, as well as looking forward to any tags they might have drawn and preparing for that fall hunt. One of the things that I was thinking about this week was why I got into archery hunting, and for me, this bow season could look a little bit different as I learn a new way to shoot a bow. So on this podcast, I want to break down what it takes to get into bow hunting and get into the field. Some of my favorite shots every bow hunter should practice, and then go into my current bow setup, why I like what I like, and some alternative options to find your ideal setup. I guess this week is really about pretty much my favorite thing, bow hunting. But before we get into that, I want to share the story of why I'm learning to shoot a bow with my teeth. So for me, this archery season might look or potentially could look a little bit different than most years. Not because I'm not going to be bow hunting, but because the way that I'm going to be bow hunting will be a little bit different. So I actually just had um, recently had to have uh, wrist surgery. So this is like kind of a scapholunate ligament reconstruction. So essentially they took some uh, ligaments out of my forearm and then opened up both sides of my wrist and drilled a few holes and ran some new things and then screwed it into a bone. <laughs> and that is the technical term of what happened. But uh, what that means is, you know, obviously, you know, lost a little bit of use of function of the wrist temporarily. Uh, so being able to draw back a bow and shoot like that just is kind of out of the cards for me for right now. Now, my hope was to do the surgery early enough in the year where I would be able to kind of get through the summer and then be able to start shooting again and by the fall season be ready to rock and roll and shooting my normal setup. But I actually might have to have some things operated on again. And there were some spring seasons that I wanted to bow hunt, so I had to look for kind of an alternative way to shoot. And so there's a lot of different alternative ways to shoot. There's guys that have gotten shoulder reconstruction surgeries and other things. There's different devices, but the way that I was looking into was what's called shooting with a mouth tab. So you use essentially your mouth to draw the bow. You use like a piece of cloth or whatever 
piece of leather, a tab on that hooks to the D loop, and then you draw the bow, and your mouth is holding the bow as well as releasing the bow. So when I was first looking into this, I'm like, man, this is it was just for me a new is like I felt like I was just getting into bow hunting for the first time because I couldn't find a lot of information on it. <laughs> I didn't really, you know, want to just like grab a bow and draw with my teeth and not really know what I was doing. So I actually reached out to a friend of mine um, and had him show me how to shoot the bow with a mouth tab. So a buddy of mine, Nolan Young, has been shooting his whole life with a mouth tab and is really good at it. And I've done 3d shoots with him and stuff. And so he's the first person to come to mind. And I thought, okay, I'm going to have him help me get set up with this way of shooting because that, that to me was the easiest way to get into it without having a lot of other information, just talking to somebody that's done it before and have them kind of assist and show me how to get set up, get kind of over that hump of getting started. So I actually, it's kind of a, long story of how I ended up in this position. I actually don't a hundred percent know, but I fully believe that I think it actually started with something stupid, catching a duck that was falling from the sky. Now I've seen people catch ducks falling from the sky. And I guess it was like over a full year ago, my buddy Josh and I were out duck hunting in the marsh. And it was like the end of the day. We hadn't seen a lot. (laughs) And we were, we were standing up and these two mallards are coming in from like the south or whatever or actually they're flying in from the north so they're coming in and our decoys are just behind us and they're high and flying and hot so we're like at the same time we pull up there's a drake boom shoot the duck and there's two there's two mallards so we boom shoot the other <laughs> mallard it's flying full speed probably 30 plus feet up fast as it could go and falls is falling like right toward me so I thought well it was probably gonna hit my head if I didn't move I could have moved I easily could have moved but in my head I thought I'm gonna see if I can catch this falling duck in the air that's falling and so I reach up and I didn't kind of really think about it too much but I was wearing like a neoprene glove and my fingers were all really spread apart so I didn't have like a great way to catch it and I was kind of reaching in an awkward angle and the duck hit my hand pretty much my fingers and just you know was like ah man that sucks it was like a when you jam your finger doing some kind of sports thing or whatever it's like oh that sucks well one of the ducks actually was a banded duck which was pretty cool and not uh so that that was pretty sweet but the duck that i tried to catch was not the banded duck and because of it i injured my wrist or fingers what i thought were my fingers so i just kind of taped them together let it go for a couple weeks. I don't know, you know, just normal stuff. And then figured it kind of healed up normal, which that is actually kind of how I think that it started. And then of course, other things led to it deteriorating or whatever, probably. I think when I was in BC, I remember using the trekking pole going across the mountain. I couldn't use my wrist very well or my hand very well. I didn't think anything of it. Just thought it was like, I don't know, maybe I'd done something weird. I mean, I completely forgot about the duck incident. And then, uh, you know, hiking, just wrist gave out, slammed it into the mountain. Uh, So I think a combination of those things uh, probably made it uh, not work super well. (laughs) I I was one of those things where I was like, okay, I I just figured it was going to get better on its own. I didn't really know anything was wrong. And 
I shot that big elk last year and was like skinning it out. And I literally had to like pretty much tape the knife in my hand because I just couldn't hold the knife to finish the whole elk. I'm like, man, this is getting bad. So then I ended up going to a doctor, which is normally the last place I want to go, but went to the doctor, got it checked out. He's like, man, there's actually a lot of damage. This is, you're going to have to get surgery. So I decided I was going to get surgery. I was going to hold off and just kind of deal with the jacked up wrist for the whole hunting season, wear a brace or something, and then um, do as much as I could with my left hand and then get the surgery in the beginning of the year and then have plenty of time to recover for archery season. But the way that it was going, you know, didn't necessarily work out like that. So I decided to start shooting with the, the mouth tab. So I got Nolan to show me out, went down to the solo hunter bow shop and got everything set up. And so I ended up having to like drop my draw length a little bit because just changing your anchor point, obviously loosening, lightening up the poundage shooting. And then Nolan showed me how to, he had, uses a leather tab. Uh, got a leather tab set up and started shooting. The first part was really weird. Like I literally thought I was going to be ripping the teeth out of my mouth the first time. So he showed me how he shoots and he's shooting like 70 something pounds. And I was thinking, okay, I'm going to start with 50. And uh, now I've, I've worked it up to about 60. I could probably shoot higher poundage if I wanted, but shooting a lot of reps kind of, you know, just getting used to it with your neck and everything. Uh, might take a little bit so i was like well, i'll just I'll leave it at 60 now but so nolan really sh just showed me how he shoots you know getting everything so weird so the mouth tab i'm biting on the right side of my mouth i've got it like you're kind of anchoring with your molars and then the one weird thing is it's anchored because it's in the same place in your mouth but you really have to line the peep up with your sight housing because it's kind of so far out it's like Normally, the, my peep would probably be, I don't even know, maybe a few inches from my eye. And here, it's probably five or six inches from my eye. So it's it's out there further. It's it's a little bit different experience, but a lot of the mechanics are the same. So it didn't take me too long to kind of start figuring it out because I've been shooting a bow my whole life. And all the mechanics, all the things are kind of the same. But as I'm going through this process, it really got me thinking uh, kind of, starting over in a way where it's like okay i'm i'm learning to shoot a bow again in a different way of course but thinking to myself oh this is probably what it feels like to be new at bow hunting so it kind of got me thinking of the different things that i'm going through or or the ways that i'm doing things not that not that you need to shoot a bow with your mouth but for people that are getting into bow hunting or want to get more proficient at bow hunting some of the things that i noticed i was doing to get more proficient to get better shots and the things that I started practicing because it was kind of all new and new scenarios with the new way that I was shooting. So when I come up to the season, I've actually gone out hunting and I'm going to be hunting a lot more with it in the future. Um, there's a lot of things that I've been doing with the practicing that really just got me thinking about ways for people to kind of be more successful during the hunting season and things that you can practice now before the season starts. When it comes to bow hunting and shooting a bow, the way that I, and I've said this many times before, but the way that I practice, I try to practice like I'm hunting because that's my main form of archery. The reason that I shoot a bow is to go hunting with it. I do enjoy shooting a bow. I like shooting at targets, 
But that's not the reason that I have a bow. The reason I have a bow is to, to be successful out bow hunting. And so when I do practice, I want it to kind of simulate the things that I am going to encounter. I want to create like this muscle memory for the things that I don't want to have to think about that make that one shot that I might get at a season that I've worked an entire week for a good shot, a successful shot. And so a lot of that boils down to uh, the types of things that I practice and the way that I practice shooting. Shooting a good group, standing at 20 yards is great. Shooting at a target, shooting at the center of the target, shooting, getting a bullseye is great. But none of that means anything if you're in a hunting scenario where you're essentially sitting down on a hillside at a weird angle and you've got to make a perfect shot. So what I like to do is I like to do shooting movements of the things in practice to make it like a comfortable shot in an uncomfortable situation. And as I started shooting with the mouth tab, I started realizing like, okay, the way that I'm doing things, I'm not used to, I'm used to shooting a bow. I'm used to doing, you know, whatever, but certain things are going to start to feel a little bit different. So I started practicing those things over and over as well. And those are, these are probably some of the most basic but fundamental ways of practicing. And it's not necessarily the type of shot, but your body position while you're shooting. So before the season, whatever, when I go out and practice shooting my bow, it's essentially going through these different kinds of shots. So the first is obviously this, the one that everybody does, standing shot. You've got to get good at that. That's like the basic of I'm standing, everything's set right. That's the easiest way to make a good shot is by just standing up and shooting. And the reason is because it's consistent. It's because you've got your body position in a good place. You can easily lean with your body to balance out your bow. You can easily adjust. Like if you're canting your bow, you can kind of make little tunes to your stance and it's a lot easier to do while you're standing. It's a lot easier to make a good shot while you're standing up and steady. So I go from standing to then kneeling. So a kneeling shot is one that you end up taking more often in the field. The reason is because if you're just standing up, you're you're visible to the animals, right? You, you aren't as hidden. You aren't as concealed. So when you're kneeling, you're a little bit lower. You're uh, closer to the ground, but you also maybe don't have some of the things that you can fix while you're standing, right? Because if you're kneeling, it's really hard to adjust your stance. It's really hard. So if you've got, if you're kneeling and you draw back and the animal starts to move one way, it's hard to turn on your knees at full draw. It means that you put a weird grip on your bow. It means that you put a weird cant on your bow. It means that you do weird things with your bow that make the shot not go off as well. So when you practice this and at home, you end up figuring out, okay, how do I adjust? How do I fine tune this? How do I get better groups? And how do I make these, these shots good? How do I set up before I even draw when I'm on my knees to not just draw back and not think about it, but draw back knowing that if the animal moves or whatever, you're in a good body position to make a good shot. So I'll go from a kneeling shot and then I'll practice essentially one knee shot. So that's where one knee's down and one knee's up. That might be um, some, I'll practice both ways. I'll practice with my forward knee up and I'll practice with my forward knee down. I call that like the reverse Heisman, right? 
Um, the reason I do that is because I, you end up sometimes you can get a little bit more height. Sometimes you can have a little bit more adjustability with maybe a moving animal and you can start turning and following that animal with your bow, but you maybe don't lose your anchor point as bad. You don't jack with your grip as bad and you end up keeping more consistent shots, but also knowing, okay, I've seen this happen where somebody draws back, right? They've got a deer below them. They've got one knee up. They're aiming down. They release the bow and the limb slaps their leg that's up. That makes the arrow go crazy. You clearly will miss the deer, um, spook the deer, probably injure your leg a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, and mostly be pissed off because you should have known that that limb was going to hit your knee, but you didn't really practice different ways to get into position. And so you just did the thing that you weren't thinking about, maybe because you haven't done it over, you know, a lot of repetitions. So by shooting and practicing that way in the off season, now in the spring, starting now going through the summer, practicing these different shooting positions with your bow, you're, when you get into that position on an animal, it's just going to become second nature. So the next one that I do is essentially sitting. That's where I just put my butt on the ground. Um, I'll do this, and I'll, I'll do the all these type of shots like in different hills. So if it's like shooting downhill, shooting uphill, you know, sitting. It's very hard. I would never really sit um, with my back downhill. But um, sometimes you, you crawl in on an animal. Maybe it's a bedded mule deer. You crawl in. You're sitting down. You're just waiting, waiting, waiting for that deer to stand up you might be there all day so it's kind of hard to be sitting on your knees kind of hard to be whatever so you're just sitting on your butt and then the deer stands up and now it's time to make a shot and by practicing that you know you're you're already ahead of the game another shot that i practice a lot is this i'll be at full draw and then i'll go to standing so i'll be either on my knees on one knee i'll be at full draw already and then slowly raise up and make a shot that gives you a lot of options and opportunities. One reason that I try to make this shot in the field, there's there's a lot of scenarios where this you encounter this kind of shot, right? So you're sneaking in, maybe you've got a ridge, you're using something as cover, you're drawing out of cover, you're like drawing under cover, and then you have to stand up to be able to fully see the animal or get a shot off. Another reason I really like this kind of shot is sometimes, you know, obviously you can draw out of sight and as you stand up, then I'm in that best shooting position, but I go from a kneeling or, or down position, crouched over position, to drawing, to standing, to making a shot. And that's something that happens a lot in the field, but definitely one of the things that I practice the most. Now, I'm shooting with my mouth, and so holding it and doing all that has become a little bit new and a little bit different, and I realize, okay, these are things that I, I continually need to practice and, and definitely are good practice if you're just getting into bow hunting or maybe you've been bow hunting your whole life, these kind of shots. And these are some things that you can just easily do in your backyard. You don't need to be on the mountain. You don't need to be long shots or whatever. Just practicing these movements and these motions and getting these shots down because these are the kind of shots you're going to encounter. And then the final shot, one that I think is probably the hardest, is partially standing. It's when you're you go from kneeling, you raise up, to be full standing but you aren't actually fully standing you're almost in like a chair pose position you're honestly the hardest shot to make and probably the one that you take most of the time in the field because 
I don't know how many times I've snuck in on something, right? I've drawn back out of cover. I start to move up, and it's like, all right, if I stand fully up, I'm going to be skylined. I've just got view of the animal. Maybe they might be starting to sense that you're there. Maybe you just don't want them to know that you're there. Maybe you just start to rush it. Whatever it is, you feel like you can't fully stand up, and you take that shot. And that's a very hard shot to make because everything's off balance. Nothing's right. Um, you, you can't adjust very well. You're kind of compensating for being off balance as well. And it's a, it's a difficult shot to make, but the more you practice it, because you probably will at some point have to make a shot like that. And by being able to make all those shots really well at home, you're going to make those shots really well in the field. I know one thing that I get asked about a lot is gear and probably, <laughs> I mean, talking about bow equipment, archery equipment, is something that I feel like everybody wants to know. And, and I think that more so than the equipment is why I like what I like. So every, every arch, like the longer you do something, the more you have certain things that you find that you really like. And then, you know, obviously things change too. So there, you know, new products come out, different things come out, those kind of things change. Sometimes you get so used to something and then you, you get really good with it, but then sometimes you use something for so long and something else comes around, you find out, oh, I'm better with this for this reason. So I figure I'll give everyone a rundown of my particular bow setup and then just why I like what I like and kind of the thought process behind it. And I'm not even saying that some of the ways that I shoot are the best ways. Um, it's just that it, I think that it's really built for the way that I like to hunt and it's built for hunting and it, and it works well for me. But also, you know, just kind of think about the way that I like things, and then maybe that might help you build your setup the way that you like your setup. So for my bow, I shoot the Matthews bow. I've got the V3X. Uh, it's a fairly new bow. There's a couple of reasons. I actually switched to the Matthews from shooting that bow's predecessor. A friend of mine had it, and I just started shooting it. And the thing that I really liked about it was the fact that it was – well, it was really dead in hand. I like, so dead in hand just means like it feels real stable, real feels real steady. Um, but the other thing I really liked about it was how quiet it was when it went off. It, to me, I was like, it felt like I was shooting a bow with a suppressor on it. It's like, it's just so quiet. And that was something that I'm, I, I think that I've found a lot more success with is just having a really quiet setup. I've always spent a lot of time quieting down my bow setup. And it's something that I, I think is really important because one of the things that I've found is if I'm in an archery, like if I'm, I was stocked in and I've got a shot at an animal, generally the one thing that will go wrong is the animal might jump the string. That's where the animal hears the bow go off, hears an arrow, does something, sees something, doesn't like it, ducks, and then that deer or whatever you're shooting at could be in a different place by the time your arrow gets there. Now, you might still hit them, but you make a bad shot. You might completely miss. Whatever it is, I hate when an animal jumps the string. And I found that when I have a more quiet setup or I take a lot of time to quiet down my bow, I have fewer string jumps. And so I, so my bow setup is around a couple things. It's around being quiet. And then also I set up my bow with what I would consider a heavy setup. So it's a heavy arrow. I like that for penetration. So I like to get really good penetration because I'm hunting bigger animals, mostly elk, 
uh, mule deer, some mountain species. And then another factor is the wind. And that heavy arrow just kind of drifts less in the wind. It's affected less by the wind. So that's kind of the things that I look for in my setup. And then by adding that heavy arrow, it quiets down my setup as well because, you know, there's a lot less vibration when your bow's throwing a heavier arrow. Think about, like, my traditional bows. One thing I've noticed is I haven't had a lot of stuff jump the string when I'm using a traditional bow, and it's because... It's just everything seems more quiet, you know? It's I'm shooting a heavy arrow. There's not a lot of – there's no quivers to rattle. There's no sights that are making noise and dropping and doing all this stuff. It's just a fairly quiet process. And because of that, I mean, it's not as accurate of a bow. It's not as powerful of a bow, but it seems like you're, my shots are always where I want them because the animal's moving less than some setups that I've had in the past that are just – a compound bow that's twice as fast and then you put the pin where it's supposed to go and the animal ducks and it ends up hitting them somewhere else that you aren't expecting so so my bow currently is the matthews v3x one of the reasons i really like this one is it kind of integrates everything into the bow so i i thought well that bow's designed for that there's a lot of other you know i've used so many different products accessories other things and i like a lot of different things but on this one, I just wanted to go with, you know, the stuff that I could integrate into the bow. So I've just got a drop away rest on. I honestly don't even know which one it is. It's one of the ones that they sell. Um, I think it's a, is it a QAD? Yeah, I think it is a QAD. Um, just started using that one. But it uh, goes into the riser, and then I've got my sight mounted into the bow as well. So I just, I use a dovetail sight. The sight that I like is a, Fast Eddie XL, Spot Hog makes it. I used to be all about multi-pin sights, right? I mean, I had the seven deadly pins. I've had every <laughs> multi-pin sight there is, and they definitely have their place. I think now maybe with shooting this mouth tab setup, I might switch back to that multi-pin sight. But for now, I'm so used to using single-pin slider that I really like it. Now, mine has kind of two indicators on it so it'll be a single pin and then has another indicator so i guess it's a double it's like a double single pin i don't think there's a better way to describe it than that um and then for both those yardages i have my dial that i can adjust i started switching to that like i didn't know if i would like it but the sight picture is so good with a single pin that i think that outweighed having all the different pins there ready to go so I switched to that single double pin thing. And then the reason, the other thing that I like about that is when I'm walking around, I'll just set that for top pin at like 33 yards. I think my bottom pin, depending on which bow, which of my bows I'm shooting and how heavy the arrow is and what speed it's at, um, you know, I can essentially shoot out to 60 yards without adjusting anything because it, you know, I'll hold dead on for 30. I hold a little low for 20. My bottom pin is right around 45 and then, or about 50. And then I can, you know, hold at the top of the back for 60. So, and I practice that a lot. You know, I practice not moving my pins and just shooting off of the gaps out to about 60 yards. So essentially the top of my bubble is 60. And so just by knowing that, that makes a big difference in uh, if, some, if something happened and I didn't have time to 
adjust or anything, I can still shoot that pin out. But m almost every shot that I've had to take in recent years, I end up having the time to adjust the pin to exactly what I want um, or getting it close. And then, you know, if something moves, being able to adjust on the fly. And that's something that I practice a lot as well is just shooting with those pins not exactly on, but knowing that trajectory of the arrow and then how to make those little bit of adjustments. When it comes to arrows, I started shooting the day six arrows. I like it because their kind of philosophy coincided with my philosophy, which was just heavy, kind of a heavy setup, and it's a micro diameter. And I was always afraid of I'd shot a couple different micro diameter arrows, but I didn't like having outserts because it was just like the weakest part of the arrow. They would just always break right there. And especially shooting bigger animals, I, I wasn't – I didn't think that that would hold up too well. And then I saw the day six ones where it's got like a insert outsert. So the insert goes in, the outsert goes over. It's kind of a combo and it's really strong. So I haven't had any problems with it. Like, I don't, I think that'd be the last place it'd break is at the outsert, the insert outsert. So, uh, and then now I just use, a, I use their broadheads or I've used a lot of different broadheads, but honestly, um, so I'll just use like a two blade Evo because you get a lot better penetration with a, two blade and then i run four fletchings just to help stabilize that arrow a little bit better but in my quiver i'll actually do something that i think i don't know how many people do this probably a few i'll have a couple different kinds of broadheads in there i like my bow to be tuned uh, pretty much you know, most of the tips are all hitting in the same place and i'll have 90 percent of my arrows it'll be like if i've got a five arrow quiver four of them will be fixed two blades but i might have one mechanical blade in there for a certain situation so it could be a situation where i'm like hey i'm in this really thick brush but not tall grass where it's like okay i'm not going to deflect on anything but the blood trailing might be not super easy so i might have that bigger or that um you know like a large cutting diameter uh mechanical in there or maybe there's something where it's like a scenario that hey i made a good shot right but the animal went out to 100 and something yards and is still standing there then i might shoot that mechanical or it's like i don't have a great shot but i can put an extra hole in it if it's on the edge of whatever it's just situational maybe like think of it like golf where you've got a caddy and it's recommending the perfect uh, the perfect club i do have i will have like a different kind of broadhead in my quiver as long as they all shoot the same now, the other stuff is just kind of basic. I mean, you know, I will put a small stabilizer on there. I don't use a back bar personally because, I don't know, I think a lot of the bows now are pretty pretty dead in hand, and it's just extra weight that I have to lug around, just an extra thing to go wrong. Um, I, I do, I guess, in the wind makes it nice, but um, I don't really worry about it too much anymore. I've shot. I've, I've literally tried every type of bow setup there is. Um, and you know you what the thing is is you just kind of tweak it to find what works i found that for hunting scenarios i really like my quiver as tight to the bow as possible but i i used to have one where i just take it off and i i just hate doing that i hate leaving things on the ground i hate having to like take something off so that's the one another reason that i like the bow i have now because the quiver mounts so close to it but in the past i mean i've used um, tight spot quivers i've used a lot of different stuff and it's all just about getting those arrows as tight to the bow as possible and, and that really helps out in those windy situations and windy scenarios when the wind's blowing and you're up on the mountain and you don't want to take your arrow quick your quiver off now i just have 
a two-piece quiver that's so tight, like my arrows are so tight against my rest, it's like they're probably only an inch or so off the riser, which is actually really nice for shooting in the wind because it makes everything more stable. Then I don't actually, you don't need that back bar either because it bows so balanced that it doesn't really mess with offsetting those, that quiver heavy arrows hanging off the other side. So the bow is just pretty stable and pretty steady. When it comes to a release, I still use, I guess, an index release, just a wrist strap and a, a post, a trigger. But I, I shoot it in a way where I, I try to shoot it like it's a back tension. So I kind of make what you'd think of as like a throat, well, I don't know if you can picture this, like a throat punch fist. Where, and then uh, push with my front hand and pull back. I don't try to in, like activate the trigger with my finger. I try to let you know the, the trigger kind of go off on its own. And by doing that, I think I've really avoided a, a lot of target panic scenarios. When I shoot targets a lot, I mean, I, I actually shoot when I'm just shooting in my backyard. I'll, I have every kind of release with me. I'll have a back tension release. I'll have a thumb button release. And I'll just kind of try to trick myself so I don't develop target panic. Um, I think that that's one thing that happens with people. Your, your finger's so sensitive. And so I think when you, people start shooting those index finger releases, they end up getting kind of jumpy with it. So if you shoot it where you aren't, it's not like the tip of your finger setting it off. But I like it. Because in, if there's a hunting scenario where I need to make that bow go off at a certain time, like it's windy, I'm holding into the wind, I need to make that arrow fly, I can do it. And I also like the wrist strap because I can tuck my release in there. It's always there. But for me, it's because when I'm self-filming or whatever, I'm carrying things and I've got so many other things going on, I just want my release right there. I don't want to have to reach into a pocket for it. I don't want to have to clip it on or, or whatever. I just want it to be right there, ready to ready to rock and roll. So when it comes to my bow setup, you know, it, a lot of it comes down to personal preference and things that I've, I like and try. There's other really good options for setting up bows where, you know, I like the, the heavy bow for penetration, but I also get more drop than somebody that's got a speed bow, right? So here's the benefit to that. Having a lighter arrow and a faster setup is if something does duck the string or does jump, you know, you don't have to be so right on with your range um, because the arrow's dropping less. So that's just another thought for your setup. Now, I mean, to compensate for my heavy arrow, I shoot a higher poundage bow. I shoot about 80 pounds. I found works pretty good, and I have a 30-inch draw, so pretty lucky. Like, I can get a lot of speed and a lot of power out of those heavy arrows because of my setup. But if you've got a shorter draw and... Um, other things like that, then you might have to adjust your setup to what works for you. So that, that setup works for me, and I kind of say all that to just give people an idea of why I have the setup I have, how I got to that point, and, and why it works for me. Now, I think that one thing with archery is you want to just really, you know, try a lot of things and essentially figure out the setup that works for the way that you hunt, what you hunt, and your hunting style. Maybe you're a bow hunter, maybe you're a lifelong bow hunter, maybe you're just getting into it, thinking about getting into it. I think that if you practice a lot of those different body positions, you're going to be a lot more successful when it comes to making a shot on an animal. When, when you're in the zone, when you sneak in, so many things, I think, go wrong that you don't know are going wrong. It's like your grip's jacked up. You're not paying attention to 
when you're shooting in your backyard at a target, you can pay attention to all the little details, right? But you you aren't competing with the slope of a hill, the angle of shooting down, the ability, not even the ability to stand up and like being in an awkward position, but by kind of figuring those things out in practice and combating that ahead of time, you're going to be a lot more successful. Now, I think talking about archery setup, I didn't want it to sound like a big infomercial for what I shoot, right? But I feel like a lot of people want to know what I'm shooting and why I'm shooting what I'm shooting. My my setups for Western big game hunting, primarily, I set my bow up for hunting elk, and then I can hunt everything else under the sun with that same setup. And, you know, I've tweaked it so much over the years, and one of the things that I like to do is just constantly try new stuff. There's a few things that I found. It's like, all right, this one, this particular piece of gear just sticks with me, this particular bow. I really like this particular bow, so I'll shoot this bow for a while. That's just the way that I like to do my bow setups. Um, and and this is the setup, you know, like the soup du jour. It's like what I like right now. Uh, but I, I continually will keep trying new stuff and then report back. And, you know, I've got maybe a, a certain hunt that comes up. And maybe I might even, I think I might even do that. So I've actually drew a New Mexico ibex tag this year and i'm debating how i want to set my bow up for this right because i know that it's going to be in the mountains i know that they jump a lot but i also know that i might need to take a longer shot and so i'm debating okay do i want a lighter arrow with less drop go with um you know mechanical broadheads or do i want to just stick with my setup and say okay i might have more drop and a slower speed but the arrow might be quieter itself the bow might be quieter itself um might buck the wind a little bit better across canyons or whatever so these are things that i'm constantly toying with and play with this time of year so like start now and then when that season runs around then i can you know have the right setup for what i'm hunting where i'm hunting when i'm hunting i guess i think archery is definitely one of the things that if you have an opportunity to get a good pro shop around you you should, especially if you're just getting into it. Maybe you're listening to this and you're saying, I want to get into bow hunting, but I don't even know where to start. Um, go to a, find a good pro shop near you. It really does make a huge difference because bows are so custom in what works for you and what, you know, what doesn't might not be the same for someone else. Your bow is pretty much specific to you. Your peep is where based off of where your eye is. I mean, I anchor, I've got like my peeps really low compared to a lot of people, but that's the way that I shoot. That's the way that I'm comfortable shooting. That's the way that my bow's set up. Uh, everybody's got different draw lengths, different peep heights. Everybody's a little bit different. Um, so finding a good bow shop makes a big difference. You know, I'm definitely partial to our solo hunter bow shop, the hunting house bow shop in Reno. So if you're like in the area, you guys can go ahead and check that out. But uh, it doesn't really matter. Just finding a good bow shop that's close to you is the most important thing, um, especially if you're just starting out because they can get your bow set up. They can get it tuned and having a good tune. And, and obviously knowing all these things is really important, how to do it yourself. But starting out with somebody that can really get you on the right path makes a big difference. So as tag draw results are starting to pop out for a lot of Western hunting states, I think the next stage is just kind of jumping into that planning. So next week is going to be all about preliminary e-scouting. And I'm going to walk you through those first steps from, heck yeah, I just drew a tag to, 
okay, I've got a tag. Now what should I look for? Where do I start? So I'm just going to run you through what I do, the first steps when I find out I've got a tag in a new area especially, and what I start to look for when it comes to e-scouting. So until next week, I'm just going to say keep shooting your bow. I mean, there's nothing. Is there anything more in life? Yeah, just get out there, shoot your bow. And if you don't shoot a bow, get yourself a bow. It's fun to shoot.